EM Guidewire, hard-hitting emergency medicine from Carolina's Medical Center. Thanks for coming back to another episode of EM Guidewire's Intern Nuggets. Today we'll discuss a case of pediatric myositis. Without further ado, here's the team. Welcome back to EM Guidewire's Intern Nugget Podcast. We're once again coming to you from J. Lee Garvey Innovation Studio at Carolina's Medical Center Emergency Medicine Residency in Charlotte, North Carolina. Welcome back to Intern Nuggets. This is Dr. Bissell, and I am joined once again by my co-nugget baker, Dr. Serpa. Always great to see you in the studio, Fernanda. What do you have for us today? Dr. Bissell, it has been fantastic to see you as well. We have another great nugget today, and I'm getting worried that the studio may not have enough room for all of these nuggets we've been making lately. Today, we're discussing a case of a six-year-old male brought in by his parents because of inability to walk. He had a runny nose, but was playing comfortably on his Nintendo. Vital signs were normal. He tiptoed through two steps and then began crying. His parents told me that he began doing this early this morning and they had to carry him here. He only had a runny nose and a cough for the past couple of days. No known injury or vigorous exercise. This is a case where doing a really thorough physical exam is beyond helpful. So, on passive range of motion, all joints were great. No hip tenderness, no erythema, edema, warmth, and he was afebrile. So, less likely transient synovitis or septic arthritis? Exactly. He just kept pointing to his thighs and calf muscles. He didn't have pain over his joints, including his knees, ankles, no rashes, uveitis, and again, no fever. So, less likely juvenile idiopathic arthritis? Perfect. We can basically finish each other's sentences, now being co-interns for, what, only eight months? He had normal sensation and reflexes, so thought less likely GBS. His symptoms came on suddenly, and he did not have signs of developmental delay or learning differences. No history of falls, scoliosis, so thought less likely Duchenne or Becker muscular dystrophy. I had a case just like this last week. What was his creatinine kinase? How did you know? I was so excited about this diagnosis because I have never seen it before. I proposed getting labs, including a CK. However, my attending reminded me a urine dip could more rapidly detect complications and the presence of elevated myoglobin. But when my attending asked me, what should we do about it? What should we tell the parents? Well, I thought it's a self-limiting syndrome. So nothing? Fluids? But how soon would it go away? Or what else to tell them? In general, I was just not sure. So I looked it up and here's what I learned. As a quick side note, don't be afraid to say you don't know something on shift. Obviously, be eager to look it up yourself, but you're not supposed to know everything, and this just allows your attending an opportunity to teach, which is what they're there for. So you guessed it right. This is a case of benign acute childhood myositis. Let's talk about the illness script and the who, what, where, when of this illness. So the who. Usually it affects males 6 to 10 years old. There have been some case studies that report recurrent episodes. The second who, you have to consider who can be discharged and who should stay. The vast majority of children tested will have raised creatinine kinase, but without myoglobin in the urine. If someone is able to drink well and their creatinine kinase is less than 3,000, then they can be discharged with outpatient follow-up. Of course, you want to make them feel better too, perhaps some acetaminophen, also called paracetamol in Spanish, but would theoretically avoid NSAIDs since the kidney is already handling a load of creatinine kinase. However, once you check a basic metabolic profile and see a normal creatinine, you can use NSAIDs. The what? 
It is a rare transient self-limiting syndrome. It is associated with influenza, A or B, parainfluenza, adenovirus, Coxsackie virus, and mycoplasma pneumonia. Although there is an association with this, you don't need to order a flu swab on everyone since it will not impact your management. This inflammatory process leads to skeletal muscle degeneration. The treatment is fluids, and then more fluids, and then more fluids. And then more fluids. Mm -hmm. So oral rehydration is the way to go in the vast majority of cases. In Pete's world, popsicles will be your friend. Sometimes having a kid drink a whole bottle of Pedialyte can be way too much at once, but a popsicle really allows them to start with some sip volumes. If IV fluids are needed, then start with 10 to 20 cc's per kg or fluid resuscitation. I usually go straight for the 20. This is a great tip for a kid who's nauseous or vomiting. The when. It is characterized by a prodromal viral illness, followed by muscle tenderness or pain and sudden walking abnormalities, which occur on average on day three after a viral illness resolves. In many cases, there is also reported fever or presentation or in the week before. Usually it resolves spontaneously within one week. The wear typically occurs in bilateral, symmetric, gastrocnemius, and soleus groups. When I saw a patient similar to this, I was asked what range of CK does rhabdo occur? Yeah, I'm going to let you answer this one. So classically, it's 10,000 to 25,000. Myoglobinuria can be detected on urine dip when urine concentrations exceed 0.5 to 1 milligrams per deciliter. This will show up on urinalysis as positive blood, but no red blood cells. Visible urine changes will be noted when concentrations are greater than 100 to 300 milligrams per deciliter. Back to our case. Return to ED precautions should include monitoring for tea or cola-colored urine until able to follow up with PCP, and it's probably better to avoid NSAIDs for pain control since the kidneys are already handling the stress of all that myoglobin. So if the case fits and meets criteria we mentioned, then good to go home. But remember, if something doesn't fit the picture, then pause and give it the time it deserves. How was your case similar or different to this one? My patient was an 11-year-old male who had about a week of upper respiratory symptoms and woke up all of a sudden this morning complaining of pain in his calves and was unable to walk. His CK was just over 2,000, so he was under that 3,000 cutoff. However, after fluids and a few rounds of pain medication, he still could not wait bare due to pain even though his CK was less than 3,000. Thus, ultimately, we admitted him for pain control. Now, it wouldn't be an Intern Nugget podcast without quick advice for our listeners. And today, my advice is appropriately or maybe inappropriately related to a kiddo that can't walk. Sometimes you will sprint through your day and come home thinking you learned so much and absolutely crushed it. Other times you will come home feeling like you were that one person that crawled through their day and barely made it out alive. You may feel a range of these throughout just one shift, and that's normal. The important part is to keep moving forward and be kind to yourself during the learning process. So true. It's also important not to compare yourself to your co-residents. You're on your own journey. Even if you vary in confidence day to day or even within one day, remember to give yourself credit for how hard you've worked and how far you've come over time. So just keep swimming? Just keep swimming. (laughs) Thanks for joining us once again for EM Guidewire podcast. Don't forget, there is more great content on the website, www.emguidewire.com. And we'd love to have your support in our growing community by spreading the word to your friends and colleagues. See you next time. Thanks for listening to EM Guidewire. Go, be awesome today. Seems he out. We're coming for you. <laughs> We're coming for you. <laughs> dun dun dun. From Jaylee Garvey. <laughs> oh man. Okay. <laughs>